Hello and welcome to Live Your Wow. I'm Amy Preston and it is my absolute purpose in life to empower women to truly value themselves and step into their very best self in body, mind and confidence. I hope you enjoy this podcast and if at any point you think, oh my gosh, I would love to work with Amy as my coach, please do just drop me a message on Instagram at APFitCoach and please do help me on my mission to empower as many women as possible. Like, share, rate, follow, subscribe to this podcast. Without further ado, let's get stuck in. Hello and welcome to your latest episode of Live Your Wow. I'm really excited for this one because I have got another absolutely amazing guest in for you today. So I am joined today by the incredible Helen Miller. Now, Helen Miller is a nutritionist and health coach, and she really specializes in helping people to optimize their health, their energy, their longevity, and also understand their blood sugar management along the way as well. So really excited for today's one. And yeah, let's delve in, Helen. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you very much for asking me to come on. I've really been really looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, amazing. Really happy that you're here. So, Helen, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what do you do? Okay, so I'm, as you said, a nutritionist and health coach. So I help people um, lower their blood sugar. Um, and this can either be if they've been to see the doctors and they told them that they're um, pre-diabetic or with type 2 diabetes and they want to be able to um, control that and potentially put those conditions into remission. or um, it can also be I help work with people who are kind of maybe have sugar addiction issues and we work on um, helping them overcome that. And then that helps them also manage their blood sugar more effectively because it can having a, a high blood sugar can lead on to all sorts of complications and other issues as well. So it's really important for long time, long term health to be able to um, kind of manage it effectively. Yeah, amazing. That's super, super interesting. And then I can imagine there is a lot of need for your services and probably has been quite a rise as well in today's society, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think nutrition does play a big part in that. And people sometimes maybe overlook how complicated it can be. Um, so, yeah, it's I really work with people to help them understand kind of like the different types of food and um why why it's important to really look into the details of like all the ingredients in in the foods that they're eating yeah amazing super so what got you into this Helen why what is your kind of why behind why you're doing this (laughs) yeah well it's it's a bit of a long story um um so I've had type 1 diabetes for over 35 years um and so I know what it's feel like what it's like to feel like when you have like maybe low blood sugar and you lose a couple of hours in the morning or in the afternoon because you just it takes you that long to get your your brain back back together or if you've got high blood sugar and you just can't focus on things and you feel really like brain fogged and just just not able to concentrate as you'd like to so that can affect people's work affect their relationships how they communicate with their partner and their children so yes I've been there done all those things and um, but I also um trained um as like a research scientist so I've got a science PhD and that meant that I did actually have um all the knowledge and understanding of how to do um scientific research um or literature research and look at the science papers and make sure that I was looking at papers of a that had 
done high quality research and um, so that they were substantial findings and things and they weren't weren't um, um, ones that maybe were weaker and don't don't have such solid research grounds to them. So what that meant was that I was really able to do a deep dive into the scientific literature. And I had when I, previously when I'd been to see like doctors and things, um, sometimes I'd, I'd said something like, oh, you know, does does stress affect blood sugar? And I think I'd also asked them if dehydration affected it. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. But actually, because I, I knew it did because I could see it. I could measure my own blood sugar levels and think, oh, what how have I been feeling? Oh, yeah, it, I've been stressed or I haven't drunk enough or something. So. But when I went and looked at the scientific literature, it actually there is quite a lot of evidence now that stress and dehydration do affect blood sugar levels. So it's it's important to take like a holistic approach to managing blood sugar. It's not just about the food, although that is important. And so, also like how important for people to come and see people like you rather than kind of just take what the GP has maybe said as gospel, actually go to someone who has got that real scientific knowledge of all the studies and things as well and firsthand experience of it I think that is so key that you have had that type 1 diabetes for a number of years and kind of have experienced everything that that brings and experienced how to manage that as well and I think that's so key yeah yeah and you've mentioned there kind of about how it impacts all areas and like Mm -hmm. the stress impacts it and other things impact it and I think that so many people just would kind of connect like diabetes with being overweight and what they're mm-hmm. eating or not moving. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, like what does impact these things? Well, um, just to come come out and take a slightly broader overview just for a moment, there's been quite a lot of research um, on kind of like genetic factors that affect maybe type 2 diabetes. And what they found is actually it's not the genetic factors that affect it. It's more the diet and lifestyle factors. So that diet obviously means what people eat because actually the definition of diet is what people eat on a regular basis, which I'm sure you know, but um, just in case people don't. And some um, of the listeners may well not know that. I think when people hear that word diet, they literally think, oh, diet, got to go on Weight Watchers, slim and Exactly, yeah. But diet is what we eat. Yeah, exactly. It's what people eat on a day-to-day basis. So there are two types of diet people need to worry about. It's having a healthy one or maybe a not so healthy one that they need to change. So really that's the view I have of it. But then the other lifestyle factors are things, like I said, I mean, dehydration sort of comes into diet as well and what you drink on a daily basis, but also sleep can impact it. Stress, um, physical activity does impact it, but also... Um, there was an interesting study actually that came out last year from the University of uh, Monash in Melbourne and they found that actually you can't outrun a bad diet so people on a bad diet even though they were doing lots of exercise still had a poorer health outcome long term than people who had a healthy diet so it is really really important to make sure you get what you're eating sorted out as well as the physical activity, the stress, the sleep, and also social interactions. So having a good network, because that also comes into it as well, that can ease stress and things. So yeah, but, so it is a re- it's everything, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, it just shows kind of that holistic approach is so so key in terms of our health and our well being. Yeah. And how like do genes come into it then? How do genes impact it? Um. Well, so there's. Like I said, there was some research done uh, that was 
published in the journal PLOS One. Um, they had like a, a, a twin study. So they looked at twins who maybe um, were lived in separate environments. So maybe, for example, there'd been a divorce or something that the twins separated. I don't really know the background to it. But um, um, what they found that it was like acquired obesity. So which due to diet and lifestyle factors that affected whether people went on to develop insulin resistance and then type two diabetes because the obesity is sort of caused by inflammation in the body, which is why diabetes is an inflammatory disease or at least type two diabetes is. Um, and it's not that, um, so, so just because you have certain genes, it doesn't mean you're gonna get di type two diabetes. It doesn't mean that you won't, uh, won't get type 2 diabetes or you will get type 2 diabetes it's it's more about how the um genes are expressed and how genes are expressed really comes down to the constituents that are in the cell because if you remember from from biology yeah. there's like a, a cell membrane which is like contains everything within the cell and then the genes are in the nucleus and there's other organelles and things in the cell as well but but the constituents that come into the cell that the gene, genes use to make the proteins, because that's what genes are for, they make protein. So the proteins go into building the structures of the body, and they also make the enzymes that allow all the chemical reactions to take place in the body. Um, so, so the way those genes are expressed depends what, what molecules are in the cell. And the molecules or the constituents that are in the cell depends on what the blood brings to the cell okay. but what's in the blood depends on things like what you eat and also how you think really is quite critical and that's I think that sort of underlies kind of like the sleep and stress as well because if you have lots of kind of negative thoughts or you're being harsh on yourself or things that puts your body in a stress response which produces cortisol and kind of more adrenaline and that can also increase blood sugar and lead to kind of insulin resistance and things so it's it's actually quite complicated <laughs> but but the different so if a healthy person has lots all the vitamins and minerals they need and doesn't have all the like inflammatory molecules that cause inflammation in the tissues so their their genes are able to make maybe almost higher quality proteins that will allow the body to build itself and repair itself well but if you're eating lots of um, maybe junk food or highly processed food is also the other way of phasing it now these days um, or maybe you've got lots of stress in your life um, you're not doing as much physical activity so the body doesn't quite function as effectively as it could do then these things all impact the chemicals and the constituents or the molecules that are in the cell and they're not there aren't as many vitamins and minerals maybe there's more sugar and then so that means that the the proteins that the genes can make are not the ones that are going to support your body to thrive and grow as it should do yeah totally so, so it sounds like that environment is really key as well and like ultimately your identity and like which is shaped by everything like your thoughts your values your behaviors it is all tying in there it sounds like exactly but but all those things can be I wouldn't say changed but you can like develop ways of making sure that you put yourself in the best position possible so for example stress which we were talking about is quite it's, it's very personal because 
you can put two people in a very similar situation and one person will be really stressed out and the other person won't because it's all about how they're thinking about it and things like that are what people can can work on and maybe just um make their thoughts less stressful so they're they're causing themselves less stress so these things can all all be worked on to kind of help shift yeah into a, a healthier sort of lifestyle so amazing and so that's all the kind of stuff you would then like if someone has kind of come to you been to the GP has kind of got a risk maybe of pre-diabetes mm-hmm. and it's thinking oh gosh I need support how would they kind of work with you then what would you kind of look at when they come to you yeah well we'd we'd we sort of start start off with quite a general discussion about you know obviously like I've said we go through all these things like the diet how how they feel their stress management is maybe how they feel their sleep is and then um we go into it in a bit more detail and we we have like a a list and of kind of different factors that might influence it and then we work out which factors are more most likely to be having the biggest impact for that person and start working on those and then hopefully that will mean that the person gets to see results or at least improvements quite quickly yeah yeah. and then we go on to the other ones as well but if if the person that I'm working with thinks that those are less important we leave those till a bit later but it is quite often things like food and maybe mindset how they're thinking about things and that sort of impacts stress and things so and then they once once people kind of um have kind of worked on these I mean I don't ever tell people what they should be thinking I always just help them identify how they can shape their thoughts in a more positive manner to get them the results they want because yeah <laughs> and I, like, I am a firm believer in identity like a huge part of what I do is mm-hmm. understanding you do need to shift your identity and yeah. get the results you truly want because exactly you to where you're at is not going to get you to where you are where you want to be and your thoughts are a huge part of that and I guess like even bringing awareness to I'm sure a lot of the people you work with have quite a harsh like inner critic mm-hmm. and a, mm-hmm. a, talking to themselves quite negatively so bringing awareness to that I'm sure is a kind of key component of what you're doing there as well and then kind of giving tools to be able to work through that and kind of reframe those thoughts and actually then boost that kind of self-image which in turn is then they're going to want to do these good behaviors even more exactly and that's why mindset is so crucial so Mm -hmm. like we were talking about the things that affect how the genes are expressed it's the two biggest things are mindset and diet yeah because because of the impact they have on the chemicals that actually get into the cells yeah the body cells yeah but would you say it's ultimately mindset first above diet as well yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> yeah yeah I'm sure that's what you've experienced as well 100%, and I'm I always say like it getting results is 80% the mindset work it's it's yeah. 20% your diet and exercise or even 10% and 90% mm-hmm it's and people always will say oh I just need to go on a diet I need to go on a mm-hmm. diet but actually as soon as people get into that frame of mind they then throw the towel in on that mm-hmm. diet because of the mindset and because mm-hmm. that lack of self-awareness around mm-hmm. kind of a lot of the thoughts and behaviors around it as well so yeah, yeah. I'm all forgetting that self-awareness around your mindset on everything there and it sounds like it's a huge part of kind of the way you work as well yeah definitely because like I said I've sort of experienced all these things myself like the high and the low blood sugars so I know that you can be really harsh on yourself when these things sort of don't go as you want them to so now I take a much more laid back more maybe not laid back approach but 
I'm kinder to myself in the way I think about these things. Mm. And I've actually found that that means that my blood sugar is now much more stable. I can, I can almost just don't have to think about it really. It just stays where I want it to just because I've shifted a few things in my life and got everything sorted out. So yeah, it works really well. (laughs) Yeah. I am a huge advocate of self-compassion and my coaching program, the WOW Academy is pretty much based around shifting people into that real fierce self-compassion space as well yeah you mentioned there you yourself had learned to become kinder to yourself and in turn managing your diabetes from that like how yeah. powerful and it shows that actually it starts probably with that self-kindness and that self-compassion mm-hmm. would you agree and do you kind yeah. of see that yes definitely and and again that all starts with how you're thinking so it is the mindset aspect like you said it's really important and and once once kind of the people I work with and the clients I have start to start to realize that and change it then they they make big shifts in in their life and things because because they've just managed to just almost put themselves first but that's not a selfish thing that's you mean if you don't look after yourself you can't look after anybody else so if you want to be able to look after anybody else and have a, a good impact on the world, you really have to put yourself first and make sure you're in a position to be able to do that. And that's what I really believe. So, yes, that's what I want to help pe- other people do as well. <laughs> so in line with what I do. So in line with what this podcast is all about. And mm-hmm. a lot of my listeners are women who are at the bottom of the pile. And as a result of that, they are feeling unhealthy. They are seeing it seeping out into all other areas of their life. They're unhappy with the how they look physically, how they feel physically, mm-hmm. worried about their future and their future health as well. And kind of what you've just said there, yeah, just shows it is so down to that mindset, so down to that self-compassion. And actually when you do put you first, that then flows out and you can really support others far, far better. And you're coming from a place of happiness and health then, being able to do that. So yeah, I absolutely yeah. love that. And exactly. When- yeah, when you start with a client, Helen, how do they kind of find that transition? I'm assuming they start with you in quite a an unkind place to themselves, probably, and thinking, oh, I'm useless, I've tried everything, and worried about the future. So how do you find that transition, getting them from being quite unkind to more self-compassionate? Yeah, well, I think um, it's, it's sort of about helping them. I mean, one thing we do is kind of focus on people want where they want to get to because that that's kind of motivating if you can think about where you want to get to and then think about how good that's that's going to feel and then think about what little steps you can take so we don't make big shifts unless the client wants to it does vary a bit it depends on the person because most people just prefer to try and do small things that they can do especially if they're busy and they're working and things so so we we just make small changes and usually quite often start with the mindset and then like you said that that means that it kind of flows onto food and um sleep and things as well and so it yeah it's just about making small changes um that get people to the sort of lifestyle they want and once they start thinking about what it is they want rather than just being battered by life every day then then it really it really gives them a sense of direction and a sense of purpose and I find that's that really helps people yeah for sure and it's that deep why and I'm sure a lot Mm -hmm. of kind of people you work with are at that place where they are almost their why is coming from that fear of 
actually I might die if I don't sort this out now and it's quite yeah. it's quite sad but it is true and I work with so many women and so many women who've put themselves off put themselves off oh, I can't do it now's not the right time now's not the right time until then they get a health scare and yeah. pushes them into it and they will always exactly. say then I wish I'd done this sooner I wish I'd known yeah. about the impact of stress on my body the impact of putting myself last the impact of these thoughts and how I'm talking to myself and yeah it could lead to diabetes ultimately yeah. and all of these health issues so exactly and and I'm sure you found as well that once people start doing that they realize because quite, quite a few people have said to me oh I can't do that because I've got to look after my children or help help my partner with you know whatever it is they're doing but um once they start putting themselves first, they sort of become like a role model and people start to look up to them because they're they're doing what they believe in and they can see they're making progress. And it's sort of also it's a it's it's sort of broader than that. It's a good role model for children because it shows them how to problem solve, how to be in touch with themselves. And so it has it has lots of benefits. It's not not just looking after number one, it's it's sort of being a leader for your family and showing showing what you can do if you want to oh absolutely I know that uh, there will be listeners listening to this thinking yeah I at the moment don't feel I'm being that good role model to my children I might feel they are probably projecting a bit of negative body image onto their children and their children are seeing how they're talking to themselves and the children are learning so it's really really important to as you said be that role model be that leader Mm -hmm. And it's a huge part of women who I coach, they come to me and one of their huge reasons they come to me is because they are worried about what their children are seeing in terms of their behavior. And they don't want that reflecting on them or they're worried about dying young or not being able to see their grandkids and stuff because they see things spiraling and escalating out of control. But it like it is so hard to kind of often get people to realize actually the importance of their health until, as I said, that scare sometimes does happen yeah well and and the thing is as well I saw some really kind of like worrying statistics on um like the Diabetes UK website where it said that there something in 2021 there were um 1560 children under the age of 18 with type 2 diabetes which is really concerning because it just shows that yeah they're they're not the diet and lifestyle they've got is not going to be able to help them into the future so it's really important to yeah and that just what said those children are probably learning those behaviors so yeah, yeah. powerful powerful when you realize that yeah exactly yeah <laughs> in terms of like diet because I know they'll be like I get asked all the time like what things should I be eating so mm-hmm. how do you approach diet in terms of what people should be eating from a great mm-hmm. kind of perspective yeah well well, like I said before it's actually a lot more complicated than I think people realize um there's there's a scale um that is based on science and there have been quite a lot of scientific studies about this called um the nova sort of scale for food which has got four categories in it the top category is like number four is really highly processed um food like you get in supermarkets in the packages and you know the the ready meals those sort of things and also the fast food the junk food that everyone's knows isn't good for them and that that contains lots of um um kind of chemicals that the body doesn't really know how to process um kind of man-made chemicals and also 
um, the more food is processed, the more nutrients are taken out of it. And then number one on the scale is less processed foods. So um, um, kind of more like whole foods, um, maybe things that are you know, a lot less processed. And the difficulty is, is working out <clears throat> where certain foods fit, fit on that scale. Because for, for example, something like bread, I know people have been saying that, you know, a low carb diet is really good for getting on top of blood sugar. But actually, that can have long term consequences if somebody really goes for it. So it's 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 working out where things like bread fit on that scale, because some breads. So, for example, maybe some of the ones you get in the supermarket are actually highly processed. They would fit into category four on that, you know, um, lots of additives, lots of white flour. They're not great. But also some of the what people might think of as the artisan breads might also fit in that category because they don't contain that many nutrients and the amount of say like the whole grains in them might be a lot less than the white flour. Um, and also they can have preservatives and that sort of thing in them. Whereas if you go to like a baker's then that might be better bread. So if you had like whole grains there, it might have a lot more of the whole grains in it and less of the white flour. So it's really, really difficult. You really do have to pay attention to the ingredients and know how to read a food label. So that we do quite a lot of work on that when I, when I talk to people. So it's not a case of writing off all bread, but for example, for bread, you should try and have like whole grain bread and try and get like 50% at least whole grains in it rather than having just a small amount of whole grains and the rest like white flour or something like that so it it depends it's <clears throat> you always have to do it by a kind of like a, a food by food which yeah. is why people often say it's about learning how to cook and producing making your own food because because that is the easiest way of doing it you don't have to worry about all the ingredients then you know what you're putting in it so yeah. So it, it is much easier to do. And it doesn't mean spending hours cooking each day. It's it's. So I always tell people it's about variety and balance. So yeah. so you can you can have some if you make something and then freeze it, that's that's fine. Um, you can get that out. But I wouldn't do that every day. I would maybe mix it up a bit. So some days have something fresh. Some days when you're busier, have something that you can just pull out the freezer, um, batch cook and cook things so that you can have got some spare that you can either have the next day or put in the freezer or both so it's it's really about making sure that um food has got lots of nutrients in it um because i think sometimes sometimes when i've spoken to people they've said oh well the definition of food is what we eat but that's not actually true because if you go down to the beach on a on a windy day and have a picnic you can end up eating lots of sand <laughs> people don't normally class that as food so yeah. <laughs> um, it's more it's more about food should give you yes energy but also nutrients so that you can build your body as well and that's where all the vitamins and minerals that we were talking from in that help your cell build the, the proteins that you need to function they all come from food yeah. mainly or quite quite in large quantities from fruit and veg so it's about making sure that people will give themselves food that gives themselves those nutrients yeah and I know when people ask me well what should I be eating mm. everyone actually knows what they really yeah should. everybody knows what the whole foods unprocessed yeah. foods are and how we should be eating but 
it's also a different matter doing it because again you've mm-hmm. got all those mindset issues and it's a yeah. mindset of that as well and it's like I know what to do but I just can't seem to do it yeah <laughs> exactly so it's it's yeah it's it's it can be a, more difficult to unpick than I think people quite often realize or at least want to admit to themselves maybe yeah and what about sugar if there's somebody who is just like eating a lot of sugar mm-hmm. every day sugar in their teas every day lots of chocolate processed foods how would you kind of help someone through that in terms of are there alternatives you could kind mm-hmm. of in terms of shifting the habit around it how would mm-hmm. you work yeah well again it's it's about I don't like labeling things as good and bad because it does depend on kind of where it comes from and how how you have it. So, for example, chocolate. If you can eat 70% plus chocolate, that's much better for you. It's got lots lots less sugar in it and you still get the the chocolate. Now, you might not want to, if you've just been eating lots of, um, you know, like dairy milk or something, you might not want to go straight for the 70%. You might want to work up to it. That's fine. But again, it's about quantity. But then if you have a better chocolate, then you quite often can't eat as much. And also the thing about that is it's more thinking about why are they eating those things? What what What's going on in their mind that makes them feel that that's going to help them? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it does come down to mindset. But also it's about swaps rather than ruling things out and... But I do think that people do need to cut down on sugar because it it is, it's what drives obesity. It's inflammatory, so it's what causes the um, um, kind of the inflammation in the body that can lead to type two diabetes. Um, and and I think people quite often assume that when people gain weight, it's it comes from the fat, but actually it comes from the sugar because the body stores sugar as fat so as I'm sure you know um, yeah so so it's about making sure um people understand the science behind it and then working with them to work on their habits and and like I said not cutting things out just swapping things for a healthier version yeah are you able to just explain in like simpler terms how the body stores the sugar as fat just for the listeners to kind of understand that little bit there people aren't aware (laughs) Yeah, so um, the body sort of absorbs sugar quite quickly. So it's because it's a fairly simple molecule, so it gets absorbed into the the blood screen really quickly. So that's why it can cause sugar spikes if you have something like a donut and, you know, really high sugary meals. Um, But then insulin is the hormone that um, stores the sugar in the um, in the fat cells in the adipose tissue um so the adipose tissue is what the the fat tissue in the body is called the reason it does that is because um you don't want to have high sugar levels because like i said it causes inflammation and also it's you you need to have that stored energy for when um when there isn't food around because when we evolved we um we did have famine periods and things like that. So if there was any excess energy, it got stored so you could use it when you needed it. Um, the the other thing is that muscles use quite a lot of energy. So you do need carbohydrates because you need to have that quick, quick hit of energy to um, 
um, be able to use the muscles when you want to do some exercise or even just standing up and things. I mean, that uses a different energy system. But if you're walking around after that, then you need to use the glucose to help you do that. So, so sugar isn't bad. It's just when it's eaten in too large quantities, mm. it, it's like anything. It's, it's, it's the quantities that it's eaten in. The other thing, the other issue with this is um, when when people get insulin resistance, so they have sugar spikes and then the insulin goes up, the cells sort of, um, I don't know if anyone knows whether they do it sort of because they get too overwhelmed with the sugar, because again, like I said, sugar's inflammatory, the cell doesn't want to have loads more than it needs inside the cell. That's not good for the cell. So um, um, it sort of stops the insulin receptors on the cell which allow the insulin to sort of un unlock the cell membrane so the glucose can go through, they stop those insulin receptors working. So, so the glucose then stays in the bloodstream. And then because that, that glucose can't just be left in the bloodstream, something has to happen to it, the, the brain then calls the pancreas to produce more insulin because it's getting the senses in the brain are saying, oh, there's too much sugar in the blood, we need to get, get rid of it, produce more insulin but the insulin isn't working, so it's not, not having an effect. So then the sugar gets removed by the kidneys, and then obviously that can lead to sugar damage, um, kidney damage as well, because the, um, the kidneys, um, quite often there's also, um, it causes at least high blood pressure, because if, I don't know if you remember from school, like osmosis, things move from a high concentration to a low concentration, um, and so because you've got high concentration of sugar, that can mean that more water is like retained in the in the blood. But then the kidneys have to kind of try and get rid of some of that. So they get rid of the sugar to try and reduce the concentration of sugar and then try and get some of the water, which is why people end up going to the toilet a lot. Um, so, yes, again, like I said, it can be quite complicated. But the, the, the point with that is that the sugar has to go somewhere. And. Um, I suppose more for type 1 diabetes than type 2 diabetes. What that can also lead for lead to is like the glucogen cycle being um, disrupted because if there are peaks and then crashes, then the glucogen has to come out and release sugar from the liver because sugar is also stored in the liver. Um, and, and that can get disrupted if the insulin is out of balance. But... Um, I think people also, I don't know if you've heard about this being fat on the inside sort of thing, yeah, where yeah. Fat, fat is stored around the tissues, so yeah. it can be stored around the pancreas and mm. around the, the liver. And that's because, like I said, sugar can not sugar can be stored in three places. It can be stored in the adipose tissue, the fat tissue of the body, but also in the muscles and also in the liver. So it builds up around the liver because there's just too much for the liver to process and it can't can't get rid of it so it's it's there's nothing actually wrong with people who have type 2 diabetes it's just their body is being pushed past the limits with what it can really cope with effectively which is why there's no cure yeah because there's nothing actually wrong it's just you need to bring yourself back into a more balanced place where where um your body can function in a in a way that is happier with <laughs> Yeah. And as we know, that comes with all those other lifestyle factors. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I think like you see a lot of body positivity sites now and mm -hmm. body people promoting that, which is great. But mm -hmm. 
often people are quite overweight who are promoting Mm -hmm. this and like you said there we do need to think of that inner fat and those health issues Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. around that um so I'm all for people yeah talking to themselves loving themselves and having that confidence but from a health perspective I'm not sure that is promoting the right message then and probably yeah get a lot of hate but it, it isn't from a health perspective it isn't no I would agree with that I mean people don't need to be like like look like a model they don't need to be that that's that slim or highly muscled but there is a point where it becomes unhealthy and is going to limit their their lifespan in the long term yeah and I think that yeah needs to be said and needs to be recognized for sure Mm -hmm. so yeah health is key and your future your future do it for future you do it for your future family I think is exactly so important for sure yeah so We've covered a lot there, so much. Been super, super insightful. So, how do you think? Really, just kind of summing up, everything kind of comes together in terms of blood sugar and managing blood sugar. All yes. these different factors. <laughs> well, like I said, the, the two most important factors, are kind of mindset, how people think about things, and the food they eat. Those are the two biggest things. And then physical activity is important, but as I said at the start, there's now evidence starting to build that actually physical activity is doesn't doesn't outrun the diet if you've got a bad diet you need to sort that out (laughs) and so I think that if you're going if you want to control your your blood sugar it's it's how you're thinking about things and how you think about your life more broadly the decisions you're making because that affects what food you'll choose as well so it that would be what I would focus on and then the food and then like the sleep and the the physical activity and things as well and and normally the sleep and the physical activity can improve because you're feeling better and you're eating things so you've got more energy so you can get through the day and not feel tired by six o'clock in the evening or something you know you've still got the energy to go on and do things so Mm, yeah I love that like I'm a firm believer in kind of picking like one sort of keystone habit you're going to work on because Mm -hmm. from that the other things you kind of like see the benefit of that and think, oh I feel a little bit better now from yeah uh, healthier kind of diet now I'm going to maybe up my activity or really focus a little bit on my sleep hygiene and those kind of things yeah yeah Yeah, definitely affect out once you start in those small little steps and Mm -hmm. like we've said in this it is important to look at it in those small steps and not be overwhelmed because like people who are kind of facing like thinking oh I might have diabetes or it could lead Mm -hmm. to diabetes or something like it will be very overwhelming it will be really Mm -hmm. scary for them yeah like then kind of being told oh you've got to focus on your sleep you've got to focus on your stress you've got to focus on your mindset you've got to focus on your diet it will be like whoa I can't do all this so yeah I think it's important what you said about actually small little steps and like working on an individual basis very much yeah yeah definitely and and also it's um um I think people do generally know what a healthy lifestyle looks like it's it's the mindset that affects how they 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 go on to doing that and yeah and it's it's just about helping them to achieve the life they want to achieve and 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 that does quite often mean they just have to put themselves first a little bit more and be be kind to themselves 
because I think if I read somewhere, if you, if you wouldn't say something to your best friend, why would you say it to yourself? And when I thought about how I was thinking to myself, I thought, oh, actually, <laughs> yeah, a while ago this was, I think, oh, I need to sort that out because that's, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> so, yeah. And it does yeah. lead you to then. If, some, if somebody was like bullying you and said, oh, you're fat, you're ugly, oh, you're never going to make anything of yourself, you're <laughs> so lazy that's not going to make you want to go and actually go and put yourself first with loads of good behaviors. It's going to want to make you go into the opposite. So the same thing is happening when you're doing it to yourself as well. Yeah. And, and I think also it's about just being aware of how sometimes other people's thoughts can impact their behavior as well, because I've quite often, like going back to doctors again, just mm. being general, but they quite often say, oh, if you don't improve your blood sugar, you're going to end up with all these complications and go off into a whole litany of things that you think, oh, God. And that's actually really demotivating. Mm-hmm. It's it's because I went to see a, a, my diabetes doctor when I was like 21. And he said, oh, oh, we haven't got kidney damage yet. And, you know, you're like, great, thank you. Yes, and that yeah. really upset me. And it was like, well, I mean, I still haven't got kidney damage. And it's, you know, 20 odd years later. So it's... Mm-hmm. it's <laughs> And you think, well, that, there's no call to say that. But if he's like a stress doctor who doesn't have the, the time to kind of take the time to communicate people and listen to them and encourage them to do what they need to do, then so I think you, you do have to. Yeah, it's kind of being careful what you're taking on board from other people. Yeah. And what you're consuming as well. <laughs> and I think we need to be so careful of that in the world of social media in this day and age, because we are going to be our identity is going to be shaped by what we are seeing on social media and we're going to be seeing more and more and more of that thing and that will become our world so I think nowadays that's a huge part of people's identity and their mindset and so vital to bring awareness to that so Mm -hmm. vital for sure exactly yeah and and it's just it's just a question of just maybe thinking back and realizing and then you can just build a few defenses up around it and think give yourself a bit of distance which is where sort of working on the mindset helps as well because that that gives you the tools to do that as well and then you you don't have to um yeah like you said take it on board and let it influence you in the way that it possibly could do yeah I love it and it's definitely sounds from everything we've discussed today that the key mindset piece is ultimately starting with learning to be kinder to yourself and that self-compassion yeah exactly yes that is that is a good first step and thinking about what you can achieve and all the all the um all the good qualities you've got and all the good skills and knowledge that you can use to build a brilliant life if, if that's what you want to do and then um yeah yeah and shift the focus yeah shift the focus from because obviously like people will be in quite a fearful kind of phase and mm-hmm. focus on oh I don't want this to happen I don't want that to happen so shifting that focus from actually what do you want because yeah and achieve that with the right support the right mindset and the yeah. right things so yeah what you exactly do. Yeah. yeah and there's like and we go through like a three-step process to like doing that and it's like because quite often I think people end up thinking about why things have happened which is fine in the short term mm-hmm. but if you get stuck in that that part of thinking then yeah sometimes we don't people do get very kind of hung up on well but why am I like this Mm. well sometimes we don't even know because it stems (laughs) so far back into childhood that we won't even remember things anyway exactly that's not even the important part it's like okay I bring awareness to this is how I am behaving Mm -hmm. 
but let me bring awareness to actually what's going on for me when I do that what how do I feel where was I what environment was I in who was I with what led to these behaviors I think that's the important part and then okay what support do I now need to steadily start moving away and where do I want to be I think that's the key thing rather than getting hung up on why am I like this yeah exactly and then just bringing it into the present moment as well and just thinking well what can I do now just Mm. it's just really going to be very quick and easy for me to do but yeah. can start moving me towards that and then that that's yeah yeah and what like a question I love and I use it all the time and I use it with my coaching clients <laughs> is is this behavior going to take me closer to or further from my goal yeah bringing yeah. awareness to yourself and coaching yourself is so mm-hmm. so key with all of this yeah yeah definitely <laughs> oh amazing yeah. Helen it's been absolutely wonderful chatting to you today and so insightful we've covered so much and I think it's yeah amazing to kind of realize how everything is just so totally entwined from the mindset to the sleep <laughs> to the stress to <laughs> the diet all of it and yeah, yeah ultimately as you've said as we've said today it really does start with the mindset start with that self-compassion and focusing on what you do really want and where you really can be because you really can change your life and that's what this podcast is all about is what I am all about empowering Mm -hmm. women to truly step into their best selves physically and mentally Mm -hmm. not always follow the path they feel they should follow as well get aligned with their values and their why and stand firm in that and yeah really really achieve incredible things then and a long healthy happy life so it's been yeah. wonderful chatting to you today, Helen. Super insightful. So thank <laughs> you so much. And yeah, well, thank you for having been, me. Oh, thank you. And if people have been listening and want to chat to you a little bit more about the way you work or get some tips or have any questions or <laughs> just any feedback on the podcast, how could they reach you? Um, well, my Instagram handle is at Helen Hardy Health. So if they, they can contact me through that, that's fine. I'm respond to yeah messages and things <laughs> yeah and always happy to answer questions and talk to people about what they want to achieve and how they'd like to move forward yes <laughs> amazing oh well thank you everyone for listening today we really really appreciate your time and we would absolutely value your feedback so much on this episode so do drop Helen a little message on Instagram, do drop me a little message and we can't wait to hear your thoughts. And if you know somebody who you think actually they would really benefit from listening to this episode, please, please share it with them. And that can then really help them and you're helping others then by sending this on. So thank you. Please do like this podcast, follow it, share it, spread the word. And thank you so much everyone for listening.